KRCL, Salt Lake City. Support for Radioactive on KRCL comes from our sustaining members and Mark Miller Subaru. Homegrown's all right with me. Homegrown is the way it should be. Homegrown is a good thing. Plant that bell and let it ring. Childhood, KRCL's Punk Rock Farmer. It's the Friday. Uh, punk Rock Farmer edition of Radioactive, <laughs> and Laura Jones is here in the studio with hey, me, as Al. always. Oh my gosh, we got so many things going on in this show, but how's your garden growing? Garden's growing good. Um, things are settling in and really starting to take off and enjoy the irrigation and look happy to be planted in the dirt. All right, so on the show tonight, we're going to go straight to the agri-hood. Go, we're going to go deep, right? We're going to go. We're going to go deep. We have we have great stuff. We have WCG Wasatch Community Gardens with us, Mary Beth, and her new sidekick, who we're going to introduce here in just a minute. Um, uh, we're going to talk about the campus, and oh man, it's really <laughs> exciting because it's opening to the public. So sit tight, you two. Okay. Absolutely. All right. I think that people were thinking we're talking to imaginary beings, but they're here with us. <laughs> no, we're here. Um, you also got Joseph Loftus, your buddies in the studio. Joseph Loftus, my dear friend. He's up in Paradise, Utah. You know, they deal with some quirky stuff up there, lots of weather and things, and frosted uh, just like a week ago. But he has all his stuff planted, and he's been crossbreeding and selecting stuff. So the stuff that he grows is used to the frost. I love it. So we also have Skywatcher Leo T. Uh, let's see what else. Oh, the Arts Fest is going on. And I uh, have some folks on Zoom with us from Mill Creek. There's this new skate loop out there in Mill Creek that I want to share with everybody. And, of course, we're going to get some live music right now, folks. So we're going to the studio. Was it 3B, I think we officially called it? Sullivan, Pechimpang, our audio engineers over there with Musor. Aldine, you found this band? I did. Um, I actually just I found them in the... Uh in the slug, in, yeah, the, in local, the slug localized, localized yeah. catalog, and uh, they have an album coming out very soon here, July first. They have a show at Urban Lounge, um, July first. There we go. So uh, let's get them on. Who can introduce the band for us? I can see through the window. We got like six people here. We just need someone to lean into that microphone and say hello from Musor. Hello. How are you? We are good. We are so excited. Great. All right, we're going to introduce the band later because I can tell Sully's got it all set for effects. So let's get to this first song, <laughs> Aldine. What do you say? That sounds good to me. This is uh, Musor right here live in the studio with Sieg and Cantando. And this one is fresh and homegrown right here on KRCL 90.9 FM. All right, you got it, Musor.
Cultures, one sky, Skywatcher Leo T here. As we look up, we're still checking out the five naked eye planets forming a diagonal line in the dawn this week as tiny Mercury, bright Venus, orange Mars, giant Jupiter, and the jaunty ringed one Saturn do the pool ball dance in the sky and in order of their distance from the sun, no less. And the waning moon visits each one in turn day by day. And the evening sky features the Big Dipper hanging down now, the Little Dipper floating up and Leo walking away. And as NASA gets the momentum to land Earthlings on the moon again, the Artemis moon rocket has been fully fueled for the first time. Fourth attempt at a final pre-launch test started on Saturday and the rocket tanks were filled on Monday. This crucial test known as the wet dress rehearsal simulates every stage of launch without the rocket leaving the launch pad at Kennedy Space Center. The process includes loading all that very cold propellant, going through a full countdown, simulating launch, resetting the countdown clock, and draining the rocket tanks. The results of this wet dress rehearsal will determine when the uncrewed Artemis will launch on a mission that goes beyond the moon and returns to Earth, which will kick the program off and is going to return humans to the moon and land the first woman and first person of color on the lunar surface by 2025. And in Mars rover update news, the InSight rover JPL mission team has chosen to operate its seismometer longer than previously planned. Although the lander will ran out of power faster, uh, the InSight has, uh, by the way, recorded some great big Mars quakes and other seismic work since 2018, and they're thinking it's uh, going to run out of gas by September. And the Perseverance rover and tiny helicopter are still exploring the Jezero crater. Those just landed there up on Mars last year. Curiosity rover, remember that one? It landed in 2012. It's still out there climbing up Mount Sharp right now, a three-mile-high mound in the middle of the Gale Crater. And the Curiosity's nuclear-powered, so dust storms don't interfere with its power supply like some of the earlier rovers. Also, the Chinese are on Mars. The Zhurong rover landed in a large plane in Mars's northern hemisphere called the Utopia Planetia in May 2021. That's where NASA's Viking 2 lander started the whole thing off by touching down in 1976. In low Earth orbit, the International Space Station has to dodge some debris from Russian anti-satellite testing. A Russian anti-satellite weapons test forced the International Space Station to maneuver around the orbital debris on June 16th. Russia's space agency Roscosmos used an uncrewed Progress 81 cargo ship. Luckily, it was docked at the International Space Station. They fired its thrusters to move the orbiting lab clear of a piece of space debris from the Russian satellite Cosmos. And back on Earth, Kitt Peak telescopes remain standing after Arizona wildfires rage in the mountains. This famous observatory complex still stands at the time of this writing, but the hotspot remains too dangerous for astronomers to verify how much of the area was damaged, but looks like everything's standing so far. It's many cultures, one sky, and let's visit the Celestial Sea, where Cetus the Sea Monster, which is the biggest constellation in the sky, resides in a central character in a sky story that responds to the question, who's the fairest one of all? starts with Ethiopian Queen Cassiopeia's boast that her daughter, Andromeda, just an ordinary mortal, is more beautiful than the divine Nereids, sea nymphs and daughters of the sea god. 
Her bragging escalates, prompting Poseidon to send Cetus the sea monster to ravage the kingdom's shores and devour the child. Meanwhile, on the terrestrial earth, in real time, crossing the Mediterranean Sea in ancient times was fraught with danger. Reports of extraordinary shipwrecks left coastal dwellers imagining its waters with all manner of hideous creatures, and uh, the best of all is Scylla, who patrolled one side of the dangerous narrow strait between the Italian peninsula and the island of Sicily. Scylla, a beautiful maiden, transformed into a four-eyed, twelve-tentacled, six-headed, shark-toothed beast, and sank ships and devoured crews. Wow. Scylla has come to represent a place that you'd best not find yourself. Such stories gave rulers of African kingdoms reason to be terrified, but for some, Cetus the sea monster was just a peaceful whale swimming in the celestial sea below Pisces the fish and Ariandus the river to create a pleasing area of the night sky with Scylla, who could be anything you imagine. How about a happy dolphin with starry eyes and a goofy laugh and a shark tooth face? At, uh, so keep wondering as you look up, look around, and get a little bit lost in space. Skywatcher Leo T. Welcome back to Radioactive. That's Skywatcher Leo T. Hey, Aldine, he's working on a star party out at Spock in August. So folks, stay tuned for more details. It is the Punk Rock Farmer Friday edition. And Al, there's something cool going on out in Mill Creek. And if my Zoom is working, we've got Jeff Silvestrini, the mayor, and Sparkle, who we met a couple weeks back with... Uh, with your friend from Way, Spock, Spock. as well. <laughs> She's with Happy Valley and Wasatch Junior Rollers. And hey, y'all, can you hear me on the Zoom there, Jeff and uh, Sparkle? They're giving me straight faces that says the Zoom is not transmitting through to them. Darn it. That's okay. We're going to go straight to our next guest while I try and figure that out. Go ahead. Introduce them. Okay. Um, Mary Beth is with us from Wasatch Community Gardens, and you have a special guest, oh. someone you would like to introduce, and... And uh, a new member of the team over there. I do. Everyone, I am just so beyond excited to um, introduce to you Wasatch Community Garden's new community educator, Katie Sue Mollican. Um, we like to say you've got to have two names to work in our program, so Mary Beth <laughs> and Katie Sue. Yeah. Uh, but Katie Sue is fabulous, and I'm going to let her... Um, introduce herself to you guys tell her tell a little bit about herself oh gosh fabulous that's very generous thanks mb <laughs> um yeah well i'm katie sue and i've been working and gardening in salt lake and convincing people to pay me to garden for the last seven and a half years or so and so so far it's going okay very nice uh, yeah i um, recently uh, worked as an assistant horticulturist at red butte garden and used to work with uh, at the green urban lunchbox as a, a farmer in their back farms program and before that, you know, was a seasonal up at Red Butte for, for several seasons. So just happy to be here at Wasatch Community Gardens and here with y'all at KHCL. Oh, I'm, I'm excited for <laughs> you. We love WCG and all they do to get people <laughs> to eat fresh food in the community. And boy, it would be a really dreary, drab place without WCG. Thanks, both of you guys, for coming. <laughs> well, thank so. you for having us and being such fans of ours for so long. Um, and I guess we get to see you tomorrow, too. Big, big news, big things. So this has been in the works for a while, a few years. There's been grants that needed to be met and all this money that needed to be raised. And and <laughs> it all it. happened and <laughs> happened. And Ashley Peterson, God bless her, uh, was at the forefront of all of this and tell folks about the campus yeah so um this vision to create sort of a centralized home for wasatch community gardens really um was born over 10 years ago and when ashley patterson was um, hired as the executive director her charge by the board was to find a home a centralized home for wcg we had our garden of course our foundation garden the grateful tomato garden on 800 South and 600 East for, you know, close to 30 years. And we had community garden space um, with in partnership with the city and the county, sort of spaced throughout all of Salt Lake County. But we were renting office space. And uh, it was just very inefficient with staff going back and forth to, you know, this office and to their respective gardens. So um, Ashley uh, <laughs> magically found us a home uh these three historic homes that were uh, owned by one family all came available for sale at the same time 
uh, and they happened to be directly east of the Grateful Tomato Garden, adjacent to the garden. So it was a fabulous opportunity. A very generous donor stepped forward and enabled us to purchase the homes for cash and then began a campaign to fund the renovation of the properties to put in what we call our Sprout Studio, which is an eightplex net zero um, housing uh, complex for folks who meet the 80% of median income um, standard. And so, you know, we were required to replace the housing that we were taking off the market by uh -huh. virtue of changing homes into office space. Uh, but one of the homes was also turned into an education cottage. And uh, so all of this work has been going on. And anybody that's been on 8 South since 2019 has seen backhoes and tractors and, you know, all sorts of heavy equipment and dirt moving around. And uh, But it's all come it's together. It's come together. Uh, you know, during and post-pandemic, and tomorrow, June 25th, Saturday, from 11 a.m. to 2 p.m., is our official campus grand opening event. It's free and open to the public. We hope everyone will stop by during those three hours. Uh, you guys will be there we'll be with there. music. We'll be there for sure. What, what can folks expect? Uh, well, I'm going to let Katie Sue tell um, folks what she's going to be doing in a minute. But um, in general, the campus teaching gardens will be open to the public. So everyone can, you know, come stop at the, um, the food truck that we'll uh, explain here in a minute. They can, you know, come in and wander the gardens. We have educational signage, which is brand new, kind of scattered uh, throughout the gardens to, to help explain concepts like soil testing and soil drainage and what is organic gardening. And so there'll be some more choppy things going more on. More choppy things going on. And there will be stations kind of set up throughout the space in addition to the, the signage, which is, you know, just sort of there for self-guided tours. Uh, all our staff will be there to explain who we are, what we do, what what is this place, and what do we offer, um, how do we interact with the community, and what is our purpose, and, and how can the community benefit from what we do. What a great opportunity, and what a great day it's going to be. We're, we're going to be there. KRCL's going to be there, too. Um, I'm excited. I am, too. <laughs> I can it's tell. been a long time coming. I mean, we, we have been talking right here in this studio for years about yeah. campus development and, um, and the, the, the ability to use this teaching space to teach mm -hmm. uh, youth and adults about how to grow and eat healthy, organic, local food. Katie, what are you going to be talking about tomorrow over there at your little station? Yeah, my little station is going to be um, at our uh, what we're calling our edible perennials garden. And so that space... Um, was kind of laid out in the plans that um, Mary Beth and Maria had made um, at, at the beginning to be a showcase for edible plants that are going to be perennials. And uh, during the construction, um, the what ended up happening as, you know, dirt was being scraped and moved and everything was being built, a lot of um, excess dirt ended up in this edible perennials area and so when i started working with wcg in march and working with um our youth in school programs who was heading up the design of the edible perennials area we uh talked about how we could utilize all of this excess soil uh -huh. um, and be using that to integrate into the design um, and so we're going to be talking about the design we've created for water harvesting on campus to plant our edible perennials in in um, an integrated way and keep their water requirements in mind. Very so cool. we've created a system of kind of miniature berms and basins S and infiltration trenches. Sounds kind of like a permaculture -y it's kind a of bit thing. Permaculture, yeah, yeah, like yeah a little food foresty, a little gildy, um, and getting just a little bit more of you know those those perennial food crops that can be super valuable and that can help to you know keep soil erosion down and and help with kind of this regenerative agriculture process that we we think is really important and we're wanting to display on plus you can eat it yes exactly. <laughs> so will we be exactly. tasting will we be tasting anything you tomorrow? won't be tasting anything you'll just be seeing what um what okay. we call the earthworks so the the what really has been gone on yeah. been going on for us is just getting kind of the soil formed and getting those mounds those berms in place and 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 creating our water retention system and doing that really intentionally and thoughtfully so that 
come the fall, we can have our perennials designed and put in um, in a really strategic way uh, that can best serve our, our campus and our community. Good stuff. As I recall, though, anything that grows through the fence toward the sidewalk, I can pick and eat. Absolutely. So in the redesign of campus, we vastly expanded what we call our public pick garden. So everything outside the perimeter of the fence is designed and intended for uh the public so anyone at any time can walk down the sidewalk on 800 south and pick from outside the fence and we have um strawberries we have tomatoes eggplants peppers we've had spinach and peas as uh as our spring crops and uh we used to have a little strip you know of public pick that was available there but it took on a a (laughs) whole new life now so it's a really really large garden space oh that's fantastic and we also just put in uh yesterday thanks to one of our supporters misty morris a brand new little free library and a little free pantry oh that's so cool all this stuff happening on this campus yeah it's really magical so awesome great stuff i'm excited for tomorrow and uh, you know i know you guys are always doing things in the community and you probably have some things coming up well we do we um you know we've reverted to uh in-person programming but we learned during the pandemic that people really do like to stay home in their jammies and watch a webinar so uh uh, we're offering both (laughs) virtual options and in-person options now that we're back to high transmission levels you know with the seemingly ever-present covid we are keeping our class size is a little bit on the small side um, but I think that's really great for the students like students that. are yeah. loving yeah, it as a student, yes, for sure. um, you know I've taught a few classes Katie Sue has taught a few classes independently but we're also co-teaching mm-hmm. so it, it brings the student teacher ratio to like six to one yeah you know there's that's a there's great. an instructor for every six students and um, so we have some classes coming up at uh, if you go to wasatchgardens.org slash workshops you can click on the workshop list and you'll see that we have one coming up called tomato pruning and cloning I was thinking about that just this morning while I was watering I need to prune some of this back oh yes yeah. so, so now is the time to do some pruning mm-hmm. uh, and we're going to teach folks how to prune and how to clone their plants mm-hmm. so that's a new topic for us so we're really excited about that uh, then we're, we'll I mean I know it's crazy it's still the beginning of summer but we're already thinking about planting fall crops so we have our webinar and in-person classes coming up on how to plant (laughs) how to plant your fall peas you know because we do that at the end of july early august so Mm -hmm. uh we have those coming up and then of course problems start happening in people's gardens right they start seeing spider mites i don't know what's eating things uh, i don't know what's eating things exactly or you know what what's killing my plant what's wrong with my peppers or what have you so take pictures folks you can bring them to the garden flea beetles Mm -hmm. the new one little tiny holes little guys so Mm -hmm. we have an organic (laughs) some of my plants they look like lace right now well we've got an organic pest management class uh we have a diagnostic working lab where people um team up and they go through the garden and they're charged with identifying uh, you know the the different problems in the garden and they get to learn these um usual suspects right the the things that typically happen in our gardens here along the wasatch front and of course, our ever popular, ridiculously popular, what's wrong with my tomatoes class. <laughs> um, I, I need that right because, now. Because, you know, it's the number one crop grown. Yeah. And we talk about the 20 most common uh, problems that happen along the Wasatch Front. So wasatchgardens.org slash workshops. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you can sign up for any of these classes. The webinars have no limits. So, um, you know, yeah. those are. You can stay in those jammies. You can stay in your jammies <laughs> and you learn to about tomato out. diseases. Yeah. <laughs> Back to the details about tomorrow. Yes. Okay. So the details about tomorrow. Free event from 11 a.m. to 2 p.m. The address is 629 East, 800 South. Uh, you can look for the um, Namash uh, Swahili Cuisine food truck, which will be parked um, adjacent to campus. And that's a fabulous food truck um, uh, run by a chef from Somalia. And she will be serving things like curry and samosas and mm-hmm. like really amazing, delicious food. Wonderful. So it's going to smell delicious. It's going to sound delicious. And then you'll have all of these stations set up through campus. You get to meet the staff and learn about who we are, what we do, who we serve, how we serve those individuals. All programs will be represented. Um, And you can do a self-guided tour, enjoy the sounds uh, of KRCL and the the Artesian Well, and and get to know us and hang out with us. All right. Thank you so much for coming in, Mary Beth, and introducing us to Katie Sue. And we'll look for you tomorrow at Wasatch Community Gardens, the grand opening of their expanded, new, and improved 
HQ campus on 8 South. That's fantastic. Congratulations. Thank Thanks. you. Thank you. So cool. Hey, Al Musor's getting set up for their next song. When we do that, I'm going to hit speaker on my phone. This is what I had to do with my last Zoom session earlier this week. Do it on having your phone. Zoom. Yeah. <laughs> so we have Jeff Silvestrini, mayor of Mill Creek, and Sparkle, who is in charge of the skate loop that's now open along with a splash pad at Mill Creek Common. Jeff and Sparkle, can you hear us? We can hear you. So tell us what opened, and this is part of the, the reinvention, it sounds like, of, of your town hall in Mill Creek. It is. It's a, you know, it's Mill Creek Common is a, is a plaza that we built for our community, and our city hall will be by it soon. It's under construction, but the skate loop is open. It's, uh, it's the biggest outdoor skating loop in Utah, and uh, in, the, in the cooler months when it's uh, 50 degrees and cooler, we can put ice on it and ice skate, and... Right now, people are roller skating on it. And I'm sitting at the Adventure Hub, we call which is a building that uh, handles the skate rental on the common. And I can look out and see people skating. It's pretty, watching people skating is one of the most entertaining people watching things ever. <laughs> as long as I stay upright, Mayor, as long as I stay upright. Sparkle, <laughs> do you give it a thumbs up? Does it get the Derby Girl seal of approval? A hundred percent. It is so much fun here. The vibe here, it is amazing. Such a great place to skate. So are you helping people learn to skate? Because that's one of the, I've seen skating come back a lot more. You did have that big uh, Juneteenth party last weekend. And I'm guessing folks going, I got to try this again. Yeah, Juneteenth was a huge hit. It was so much fun. It was, it was terrific. I do teach skating every Thursday. Wonderful. Well, we might have to come out and do a live broadcast there, Al. You ready to strap on your, your quad skates? <laughs> Maybe. Well, you put a farmer's market on top of it, and we'll be there for sure, Mayor, okay? We, we will be doing that, and we'll uh, hopefully get Wasatch Gardens to get some of their produce here nice. as well. That's, that's part of our plan. Hey, you just got oohs and ahs from Mary Beth and yes. Katie Sue. So where can people learn about the skating and the splash pad and all that? Is there a website? Yeah, there's a website. It's MillCreekCommon.org. Uh, you can also go to our city website, which is MillCreek.us, and we feature it on there. And I also want to mention that our splash pad just opened up today, so uh, we have uh, we have stuff for little kids there as well, uh, especially on a hot day like today. Oh, and it's uh, only going to get hotter. Yeah, well, and as it cools off, it's uh, the skating isn't isn't quite so bad, and that's when people really start showing up for it around 7 p.m. How late so, can you skate? Pardon? How late can you skate? You can skate until 10 p.m. and uh, that's pretty much seven days a week. Yep. And uh, on Saturday nights we have uh, we have a a DJ where we turn up the tunes a little bit and uh, and and have some fun with that. And uh, for those of you who may not know, Mill Creek Common is is across from uh, Harmons at the Brickyard. It's uh, in between 13th and Highland, uh, just north of 33rd South. And the best way to get here is to come in on. The street north of 33rd, which you get to off of Highland Drive, it's called Chambers Avenue. And there's a big parking lot to the north of the of the skate loop. You can park in there and then walk down, rent some skates, and get on the rink. Well, thanks so much for giving us the, the lowdown on the skate loop and the splash pad. Congratulations on getting that open, you two. Yeah, it's a big accomplishment, and we hope everybody in the Valley enjoys it. Thank you much. All right, we'll see ya. So now it's time to uh, get to Musor and another song, Al Dine. Hey, uh, we've got the guitar player, Alan Oriana, to introduce the band. How are you doing, Alan? Good. I'm good. Thank you so much, KRCL, for having us. Absolutely. So you guys are here in Utah, but I understand you're um, quite a few of you are from Peru. Yes, yes. Um, Diego Delgado is from Peru. Javier Catalan from Guatemala, and me, uh, I'm from Peru. And you got a couple more folks in there with you, too. Yeah. Who else is in there? We have Dave Payne. He's from here, and he's playing saxophone today with us, and he's playing uh, the saxophone, too, on uh, our release party July 1st. And we have Pearl playing the synth, and we have Joy playing the keyboards. Yeah special people we love we love them that's fantastic so july 1st urban lounge big uh, uh album release party are we going to hear another cut from the new album yes yes what's this one uh this one is called sigue intentando okay i thought that was the first one what was the first one we heard then what was that one? Oh, the first one it's 
Ah, okay. So yeah. now we're going to hear... But I'm sorry. Yeah, this one is called... Um, Inanna. Balada. Oh. Balada. All right. Al, do the honors, and let's hear this. This is Musar with Balada, fresh and homegrown on KRCL 90.9 FM.
The Utah Department of Health and Human Services has information and steps for parents affected by the infant formula recall and shortage, now available in 28 languages in addition to English and Spanish. Visit health.utah.gov for details. Support for KRCL comes from Mark Miller Subaru and their Love's Diversity Initiative. Mark Miller Subaru is a proud community partner of Project Rainbow, spreading love together this Utah Pride Month. Learn more at projectrainbowutah.org or markmillersubaru.com. I'm with Jack Wilbur from Three Squares Produce, and we're here at the Wheeler Farm Market. He's here every Sunday. Jack, what's fresh? So we have uh, salad greens and kale, uh, the things you'd expect for late spring and early summer, and coming on this week, cherries. Bing cherries will start picking, so very excited about those. Summer squash are coming on. Cucumbers are just a week or two away from me, but they're really close, and so come on down. Love to see you. I'm here, I'm here with John from Straw Hat Urban Farm. I'm at the Wheeler Farm Farmer's Market. He's here every Sunday. John, what's fresh? Um, right now I have lettuce mixes, um, sunflower shoots, and some garlic scapes, green onions, things like that. Next week I'll have snap peas, new potatoes, and probably some broccolini. Very good. Thanks, John. Straw Hat Urban Farm, Wheeler Farm Farmer's Market every Sunday. That's Al Dystrick, non-care sales punk rock farmer. What's fresh? A when, new feature here, right, Al? Right. And when those guys said this week, they mean this week, right mm-hmm. now, this this Saturday. So they'll yeah. be there with that stuff. It's Radioactive, Punk Rock Farmer Friday edition. Time for Aldine's Urban Farm Report. Urban Farm Report. One of my favorites, Joseph Loftoffs, is here with me. Thanks so much for coming down from Paradise, Utah, Joseph. You're welcome, Al. <laughs> so the big news really is, let's start with it, the book. Your book is doing very well. It is. It's selling <laughs> copies. Tell me about it. Well, like 2,400 sold already. Mm-hmm. Just out of the, I mean, a little rinky-dink farmer from northern so Utah. Cool. <laughs> oh, man, that is so cool. You went back east, and you did a signing back there. Yes, Baker Creek Seeds invited me out. They're like a, a huge um, heirloom seed company. They're like one of the biggest ones that's kind of tried and true, the, a go-to one. They have yeah. the most beautiful catalog They're, that's like a coffee table book. Well, they took photos of me in their greenhouses <laughs> because they do new photos every single year uh-huh. for every variety. Uh-huh. I got to tour their packaging a facility, state of the art. I Computer bet. systems were saying, pick five of this seed and put them on a conveyor. And it went down the conveyor belt and it <laughs> threw them into the packages. <laughs> and they were shipping like a pallet a day. Oh my Just goodness! Huge orders. So, so last year you did for them. They they commissioned you to do a promiscuous tomato project. Mm-hmm. And this year they've asked you to do something else. You're working on another. Another uh, another project, another experiment. Yes, well, I'm, I'm working on, like, several different uh, things that nobody else sells, and they want to sell them. And, and so we're working on getting those projects going like they'd like a green sweet corn, for example. Like ones that haven't existed before. They want you to... to uh, to propagate and cross-pollinate things to make to make a new variety? Is that what it is? That's, that's exactly what it is. Oh, and my goodness. N- new color combinations are exciting, new flavors perhaps, just all kinds of wonderful stuff going on. How cool is that? Boy, oh, boy. Um, uh, you know, I got to come and visit you last week up, up in Paradise, and you had a frost coming, and you weren't very – you weren't very – uh, concerned too much about it you had already planted everything but tell us tell folks why uh, you select for certain traits and what you grow up there is used to what your area is and well, so you don't you if it's a little frosty maybe your plants are better off because they're frost tolerant yeah well like some years we'll have frost on july 4th or something like two in the last five years we had frost on July 4th and I have grown that way for over a decade where I plant my garden some of it gets frosted some of it dies most of it survives and the longer I plant varieties that are local and understand that frost comes and it goes the more happy they are 
This is so cool. So you're training the plants. Uh-huh. You're training the plants, and, and you pick for certain traits. Flavor is one of them. Flavor is, the, is well, the second most important trait to me. Okay. The most important trait is it has to grow here. Uh-huh. And then second most important trait is it has to have flavor. I don't care what color something is. I don't care what the leaf shape is. As long as it grows really well and it's flavorful. So uh, when you're when you're in your garden, you kind of um, drought tolerance is another thing. You try not to water very much, um, but you we have to. We live in a desert. Mm-hmm. Last year, you went along the guidelines of there wasn't very much water in the reservoir, so you didn't plant your whole garden. You kind of laid back a little bit. But this year, the reservoir is full is what I've heard. Yes, the reservoir filled this year, and I'm like, but we didn't know it was going to fill until the last minute. And so I still planted as if I was having a drought in my early crops. Uh-huh. And so in the later crops, I got to plant things like corn that I didn't plant in a drought year. Uh-huh. So you were, you were drought-wise to eat last year, and mm-hmm. this year you have a little more leeway is what it right. looks like. And, uh, I mean, uh, I know you want to talk a little bit about seed saving and, and the, importance, um, the importance of local varieties. As far as food security goes, there's reasons. Well, yeah, because if I buy an heirloom from far away and long ago, and who knows where in the world it was currently grown, I don't have really any guarantee that it's going to grow here. Mm -hmm. But if I plant a seed that was produced right here in my garden or in the valley, then I I know that it's going to thrive because it has a history of thriving here. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And and another thing about about you don't have to buy seed and seed is fairly <laughs> expensive i on my little three-quarter acre garden before i started saving my own seeds i was spending a thousand dollars a year on seed and the last five years i have spent nothing on seeds it's all the stuff that you've saved mm-hmm. so that takes some planning and strategizing as the year goes on right yes well i have to change how i think about my my garden if I harvest a cantaloupe, it's a $3 cantaloupe, but it's got $30 worth of seeds in it. Oh, wow. Do I want to sell the $3 cantaloupe at the farmer's market, or do I want to save myself uh, seed money? There you go. <laughs> <laughs> Good stuff, Joseph. I, l- I love the way you think, and I know, I know lots of folks, you know, you start to hybridize or you take a certain tomato that tastes really good, but then you fool with it. And if it tastes really good, let's try to make it do something else, too. Let's add another. Um, you put two parent, nice parents together, and you get nice offspring, right? That's right. And uh, that's why I don't worry about things crossing in my garden because... That's great, the promiscuous part of it, right? Yeah, because <laughs> if great plants cross, <laughs> pollinate promiscuously, yeah. they produce great offspring. It, people are horrified, some people, <laughs> when, <laughs> when we about talk it. about stuff like this because they buy a seed packet and it has to be that. They want it. It's in their mindset that if it doesn't turn out to be what it says on the package, you're mad. And uh-huh. this is not what you, you're all about. This is a, uh, when you say, oh, just put them all together and let them do their thing and pick the best one and then save that seed plant it next year it's going to do good but then people say well where did the heirloom part of it where did the name go what what is it now and it's just like i've seen you spin people's heads around at conferences and stuff the, the stories matter and people like the history and the story and and we get to tell different stories now we get to say this was this was two families that got together and they had offspring and and the offspring are just as beautiful as the ancestors were. Right. Fantastic. So I have a few questions <coughs> since oh, I've got no. you here. Because I was, I was I'm watering this morning, and of course I forgot to do it when I first got up, so I was doing it when it was hotter in the day. And eBay and I have this uh, ongoing conversation, let's call it, about when you hand water plants for a small gardener like me. Do you, do you have a rule of thumb when you're hand-watering plants? Is it like one, 1,000, two, two, <laughs> one Mississippi, two Mississippi, or, you know, I don't have irrigation water, so help me figure out how to handle this. And should I water you, in the morning or night? 
I don't care when you water <laughs> because the most important thing is that you spend time in your garden. Yeah. That you look at the plants, yeah. you see what's going on, mm -hmm. you give them water if they're if they're all wilty, give them more water. Yeah. Um, it's kind of hard with tomatoes though because they can suck that up and then split really easily, right? So yeah. So you got to be consistent with. You got to be consistent. Yeah. But Especially with tomatoes, so they're kind of more finicky. That what's way. Yeah. your yeah. rule of thumb, Al? I have drip system, so I I water, I water a little bit every day mm -hmm. because mm -hmm. it gets so darned hot. When it gets to be the hottest part of the year, do you do it twice I'll a day? water a little bit every day, and I don't do it twice a day. Okay. But I try to keep the ground from drying out totally mm -hmm. and letting the letting the you know, the plants that you have to watch, like Joseph mm -hmm. said, and then you go and press the switch and don't won't don't water. They look good, or yeah. the next day water. I know you wanted to, there was a few other things you wanted to talk about, and there's some weed solutions and, and um, things, how to, how to put back the weeds, but not in a tilling sort of way, right? Well, weeds are like a cover crop because they grow all the time. Mm -hmm. They're multi-species, so they grow in cold weather, they grow in hot weather. That's a lot of fertility that can go right back into the garden if you mow it if you even till the surface of it just to to kill the weed and to let them go back into the ground so so weeds are a beautiful productive way to add fertility to our garden so a living root means living soil and even if it's a weed is what you're saying mm -hmm. and and it 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 breaks the soil it aerates the soil it's 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 tilling the soil in its mm -hmm. own way even though it's it's a weed um and cover crops are a big thing too though that i know a mm -hmm. lot of people do and because that sets a lot of living root into the soil then they just mow it and plant inside plant right there with where the root is still in the ground mm -hmm. and leave the root in the ground and, and i mean there is a balance between having so many plants growing that they outcompete the wheat or the, the uh -huh. crops that we want. Uh -huh. You know, so so there's a balancing act. Uh, Joseph, you ha you have a you have a greenhouse, and you have some really cool things in the greenhouse. You had a, a poppy that was blooming in the greenhouse when I went up there, and you have cold temperatures up there. You have some cactus in there. You have pistachios growing in there. You have dragon fruit growing in there. You have you have different stuff growing in there it, it, it's like um it's a big extension for experimenting oh yeah and I, like this winter i got to harvest lettuce and spinach during the coldest weather and it it survived the whole winter in there and it was just beautiful for me tell me about the 13 foot cactus in your front yard we'll send oh. put a picture of it in this show notes. oh yeah i did see that you <laughs> sent me that photo it's 13 years old it's grown a foot a year yeah and it, it's a choya from mm -hmm. new mexico or arizona mm -hmm. i think it, it's the the arizonica variety uh-huh and it's just growing up the wall happy as can be it's almost taller it's getting to the top of it, the up it, it, where the it's, roof it's is on the, the house, eaves, yeah, it's right at the eaves, and it's it's amazing. It's it's got a big trunk on it like a tree. <laughs> it's so cool. Yeah. Um, you I, know, I really enjoyed coming up and talking to you. You have your one garden where you do your experiments, and then you have a kind of a a family garden where you do your where you have your regular stuff growing for the, the yeah, folks I, in the family. Life. I call it my kitchen garden, mm -hmm. and it's the most traditional garden you could ever grow. You know, just what what our family's been taught for 10,000 years, how a garden should look like. Uh -huh, uh -huh. Tomatoes, corn, right. potatoes, beans, uh -huh. strawberries. In what? rows that are spaced and weeded perfectly. <laughs> <laughs> I want to ask you one more thing about native plants. What what native plants can we grow um, and wild species that, that are, you know, obviously easy to grow because they're wild species mm -hmm. and what what are some of those you have that you touch on? Well, like I love amar or er, amaranth. Me too. And I love the lamb's quarters. Me too. And they they grow in my garden. They're weeds, but when I'm weeding, the a the lamb's quarters goes right in my mouth. Mm -hmm. It doesn't. It doesn't, doesn't make to it to the, <laughs> into the house. <laughs> it goes right in your mouth. Oh, I Joseph, I really enjoy yes. it when you come. It's a it's really great. Um, 
I, I, your projects with Baker Creek, that's amazing stuff. Your book, doing so well. You were talking about, um, you know, you get some really great reviews, and then you get some people that maybe, you know, they're, they don't understand quite. Well, they don't understand. I have errors as a writer. I mean, my, my most recent review, I'm like, that sucks. But then I went and read every instance in my book, and it's like, oh, I really blew that one. <laughs> <laughs> well, where so, can people pick it up? So anywhere that books are sold, mm -hmm. land race gardening, food security through or biodiversity and promiscuous pollination is available. It's also available directly from the author with an autograph, <laughs> which is lofthouse.com. And my prices for me personally are lower than the online uh -huh. prices Good. because I have them printed uh, up in Logan. Yeah, very good. Fantastic. So love it when you come down because you're just so obviously passionate and in love with what you do. And that's what we're trying to foster here. Get people's hands in the dirt oh, yeah. by learning from some of the best. So thank you, Joseph. Thank you. Thank you, Laura. You're Thank welcome. you, Al. You're welcome. Check tonight's show notes for a link. So, Aldine, that's the show. We got one more song from Usor here, giving them a verbal heads up that we're ready for them. What's on the show next week, though? Um, next are we working we, on it? We're working. <laughs> we're working on it. I'm. I'm. I'm going to talk to some folks who are growing right here. With their gardens are in full production. Um, uh, we will have some surprises, and maybe uh, an artisan will come on next week. We'll have an oh. artisan spot, and we'll talk about cheese or bread or something it. that goes along with so the really hungry great after food we're eating. Yes. <laughs> Check tonight's show notes for links to everything we talked about, events and resources, and of course, to get the latest on Musor and their album debut at Urban Lounge. Let's go back to 3B. We've got Musor. Hey, Alan, July 1st, tickets still available? We have some physical physical tickets. Yes. And, uh, yeah, you guys can uh, buy it online too. Wonderful. So, uh, what's the website where folks can catch up with you though and get the new album when it's available? Oh yeah, um, Spotify. It will be uh, on Spotify, YouTube. I think everywhere. Okay, great. We'll yeah. get the link and put it in the show notes, too. Thank you so much for coming in with this huge band. We really loved it. Folks, check the show notes tonight. You can see some photos. Uh, and also, you can hear an archived edition of the show. But what one are we going to go out with, Alan? We are playing now um, Sigue Intentando. It's a special song for you guys and for everyone. Al, do the honors. This is Musor, fresh and homegrown, right here on KRCL 90.9 FM.
RCL, Salt Lake City.